invisible trillions, financial secrecy. Is it the doom and gloom of capitalism or government or both? Yeah, let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Friday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studio here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholsshow.com. Now, let's go on to today's episode where, yes, we are digging into the topic of some uh, financial secrecy and the invisible trillions that may cripple the idea of capitalism. So joining us today to talk about those invisible trillions and yes, his brand new book titled Invisible Trillions, Raymond uh, Baker joining us on the show. Raymond, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for joining the program. And I'm very much looking forward to this conversation. Yes, into the world of hidden money and yes, the invisible trillions. But first, Raymond, do us a favor, introduce yourself to the Brian Nichols Show audience and specifically why you got into this world of financial secrecy. I um, was uh, in the business world for 35 years. Um, Done business all over the world. Owned uh, a number of companies. um, um, And um, doing business all over the world, I think I probably saw more corruption and more money laundering and more financial skullduggery than anyone should see in a lifetime. And I knew that this was not being adequately addressed, um, whether by governments or development economists or the World Bank or whatever. So I segued into the think tank world um, um, in 1997, became a guest scholar at the Brookings Institution, wrote my first book called Capitalism's Achilles Heel, and have continued to work on issues um, surrounding um, um, financial integrity or the lack thereof. Gotcha. So let's dig into then today the topic of conversation, your brand new book, Invisible Trillions, which is tackling the uh, the idea of, yes, corruption, hidden money. So let's start things off. What's the premise behind the book? What was the inspiration between between you seeing things in the uh, the real world and then where you are today authoring this new uh, new book? After my first book was published, Capitalism's Achilles Heel, we formed an organization called Global Financial Integrity. A number of other organizations around the world grew out of the book. All of us have spent uh, um, 15, 16, 17 years trying to drive forward the issue of uh, the need for greater transparency and accountability in, um, in, in business operations. And frankly, we have not been making as much success as we wanted. And so I I realized uh, several years ago that I I had to elevate these issues above the, the, the particular things that we were trying to solve and make it make it clear that we are, in fact, dealing with a systemic problem. We are dealing with the 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 separation of our two fundamental pillars, uh, capitalism and democracy. We're dealing with a systemic issue, and we have to approach this um, from a systemic point of view. 
Could you talk a little bit about, so you mentioned the, the two pillars, capitalism and democracy. Now, and, and this just might be my misunderstanding, but I was always under the impression that capitalism is more so the separation from the, the markets, from the overlying government entities. So the, how, how do the two pillars stand, I guess, in conjun- uh, conjunction together? Do, do you see any conflict with the idea, I guess, of capitalism being inherently away from government entities and oversight and it's supposed to inherently self-regulate with the idea of democracy, I guess, trying to use some type of government oversight to hold capitalism to some type of standard? Am I making sense in that question? I don't see these as competing ideologies. Mm. I see them as uh, ideologies that should be working in sync with each other. Now, let Let me again tell you where I'm coming from. And when I graduated from business school in 1960, that 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 date, 1960, marked the end of a 15 year period following World War II um, to 1960, a 15 year period when capitalism, uh, in in my judgment, operated at a very high level of uh, responsibility. The linkage between democracy and capitalism was working extremely effectively. That began to change in the 1960s and has continued to change as capitalism has drawn away from democracy. Capitalism is attempting uh, increasingly to operate uh, in secret, outside of the framework of democracy. And I think that the danger of this is that it could pull down the whole of the democratic capitalist system if we're not very, very careful going forward. What do you think is the uh, the root cause of this this uh, schism that you're seeing right now? Is, is it a matter of capitalism just being unfettered capitalism or are there nefarious actors that are being able to manipulate capitalism through other means? Something very fundamental has happened in the capitalist system since it was created in the late 1700s. At, uh, at that time and going forward for a couple of hundred uh, years almost, um, um, capitalism was uh, devoted to um, generating public goods, earning a profit, uh, operating uh, um, with a measure of, of community uh, involvement. And I think that worked fairly well. Um, beginning in the 1960s, capitalism uh, decided that it needed to operate in secrecy, uh, apart from um, the oversights um, that are exercised by regulators and uh, uh, legislators. So. Over the last half century, we've created a financial secrecy system to cater to a new motivation in capitalism, the desire to operate in uh, in secret, uh, the the determination to function in secret. This was not a motivation of the capitalist system during the first 150 years. It is a motivation in the capitalist system today. It represents a fundamental change um, in the way that capitalism operates and therefore a change in the relationship between democracy and capitalism. So what would you say enables capitalism in this system to act in secret like it is 
beyond, I guess, what I would consider more traditional market forces. I mean, I, I think everybody agrees that sunlight is always the best disinfectant. And you see a lot of times whenever something nefarious comes out, you know, whether it's terrible working conditions or awful, you know, production environments or look at the TV shows showing how terrible the food making environments can be that usually that inspires some type of change. So I guess what, what in your uh, thought is, is the reason right now that we're seeing this enablement of secrecy in capitalism. And now, a word from our sponsors. In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Given the motivation for secrecy, we in the richer Western countries have created an entire financial secrecy system. It comprises tax havens, secrecy jurisdictions, um, um, disguised corporations in the millions and millions around the world, more of them created in the United States than in any other country. Um, fake foundations uh, are part of this structure. Anonymous trust accounts are part of this structure. The, um, the practice of pricing in international trade with invoice amounts differing from real values, the mispricing of trade across borders has been a fundamental part of this system. And then finally, Brian, our, our governments leave holes in the laws of our Western countries to facilitate the movement of illicitly generated money through this financial secrecy system and ultimately into our own economies. One of the basic points that I make in talking about the financial secrecy system is that every single element of it has been created by us in the Western world. Not a single piece of this was done by drug dealers or counterfeiters or criminal syndicates or terrorist financiers or so forth. None of that, uh, uh, they did none of this. We created every piece of this. And after we created it, it then became used by the criminals and the corrupt and the, um, uh, uh, the counterfeiters and the traffickers and so forth. But we created the system. So do you see the solution then coming from government or do you see the solution coming from the market itself? And let me preface this question with a little bit of uh, maybe a, a, some context behind my question because it sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the problems that we're identifying today are loopholes or are favors that have been put in place by a lot of politicians in government to then help their friends in corporations, which by definition doesn't sound like capitalism, right? So I guess then to my my question again is, do we see this being solved by adding more government to help, air quote, solve the problem? Or do we start enabling and hopefully holding more of the free market's feet to the fire and corporations' feet to the fire by cutting away the government, uh, holding them up and propping them up, and then having to stand their own merits? 
The answer to the financial secrecy system is transparency and accountability. Now, um, a, a lot of that needs to be uh, required uh, uh, by governments. But by the same token, a lot of it needs to be implemented within the private sector uh, itself. Um, I don't know whether there will be enough impetus within the private sector to bring about change or whether it will, um, it will fundamentally have to be done uh, by governments. The, I'm clear on the answer. The answer is transparency and accountability in um, the operations of capitalism. I mentioned to you disguised corporations a moment ago, shell companies. There are tens of millions of shell companies around the world. There's no excuse for a shell company. I never had a shell company. There's no reason why every company's ownership should not be known. We ought to know who owns the businesses with which, uh, uh, with, with which we're dealing. Who owns the businesses? Um, knowledge of beneficial owners of businesses is a, is a fundamental step that needs to be taken in addressing issues of transparency and accountability. Does that make sense, Brian? It absolutely does. Yeah, and I definitely see the point you're making. And I guess my and, and my general kind of not concern so much as my overall thought process here has been, I guess you just look at a lot of the problems we see. It seems like a lot of good intention folks in government have tried to solve these problems. And you look at a lot of the yesteryear policies that were put in place and now are being subverted. And you mentioned the loopholes, right, that are in place. So... I guess then I'm like, well, it's like it's like you're playing a game of football and the you know the the Cowboys are playing with one set of referees that are playing their own set of rules and then the the Packers are playing with another team, you know, with another set of referees that are playing by like the real rules of football. And it's like you're seeing two NFL teams but they're playing the same game but by different rules. And I guess my thought process is instead of saying instead of add more referees to the game, remove the referees, start to, to bring it back to make it so it just it's it's less messy. It's less cooks in the kitchen and it opens up less opportunity for the exploitation. It stops the the quid pro quo, the the you know the CEO, the shell corporation CEO saying, hey government uh you know bureaucrat or hey government politician, I'm gonna go ahead and you know maybe donate a couple thousand million dollars, you know, we'll just say to a pack of some sort that supports your campaign or will support an entity of yours that you're friendly with. And that money might find its way back to you. I don't know. But with that being said, if you would be so kind to help, you know, make it so I can keep doing what I'm doing behind the scenes that normally no other entity would let me do in a truly free market because they would say, dude, what are you doing? But because we're playing this game and everybody else is trying to play this game, now it's just a matter who can play the game the best. Does that make sense? Sure, it does. And and you raise a very fundamental question. Uh, um, does the solution of these problems arise primarily uh, in the ranks of the government or the ranks of uh, the private sector? Let me give you a, some background a long time ago. Um, my father was the most honest person I have ever known, most honest businessman I have ever known. Um, he um, was known as such. Um, and during his career, he, he was an independent entrepreneur in the, in the town where we live, Shreveport, Louisiana. 
in that uh, in that environment, my father had a reputation for being uh, totally above board in his dealings to the point that um, in mid-career for him, um, the biggest bank in town came and asked him to be president. He'd, he'd never been president of a bank before. He'd been a director on a bank board. But it was because he had a reputation for absolute honesty in his dealings and everybody wanted to do business with him. And every I never heard my father try to maximize uh, his profit on a transaction. What he tried to do was to arrive at a fair price in every transaction he was involved in. Fair to him, fair to the other person. He didn't need a, a, a mountain of regulations to tell him that that was the right thing to do. He did it. I'll ask you, Brian, how many people bring that kind of attitude to their work today? That's a great question. And I'll tell you, though, I will say I see it a lot in the entrepreneur space where there is so much vested interest in truly how you perform and how you act in the day-to-day -day environment because you are the face of your company. You might not just be a salesperson, an accounting person, uh, you know, a HR person, but you're playing every single role. And with that, you have to bring it every day. You can't say that's not my job because it has to be your job because it's your company. And, um, you know, I guess maybe that's also goes to where we see a lot of the, the deferment, right? And you see this in bureaucracies across the board. When you have a person from a person from a person who's handling the, the paperwork, you're like, okay. And you see this with multinational corporations where it's just like, it's a faceless entity where that CEO doesn't really have any, any connection to where the product comes from. There's a scene in the office. It's, it's a uh, funny, it's an old TV show there for folks who aren't familiar, uh, back in the, uh, the late 2000s, early 2010s, where Michael Scott, of course, uh, he's, he's, uh, the great, great boss there at Dunder Mifflin. And he's, uh, complaining about the brand new boss that was just hired, who was hired from the steel industry. Now, Dunder Mifflin is a paper company and he's freaking out. And he's like, you don't even know probably how paper's made. You can't put it in a furnace. It'll burn. And it's like that mentality, right? He had the passion because he cared about it. Not that he's a paper maker, but he cared about the product versus the person coming from the steel company, the, the, the company that melts stuff, right? A burn paper. So I say that, that silly connection there to make the point, I guess, is that you see a lack of this, um, like the connection, not just to the product also, but then with that directly to the consumer, because you're not seeing the direct impact. If I mess up as the business owner, or to your point, is if your dad messed up as the business owner to the customer, they will face that direct reaction and consequence in the customer saying, I will take my dollars elsewhere. Whereas you don't see that right away when you're a CEO, you know, thousands of miles away or countries and countries away. It's, oh, I, uh, you know, the, the line items change a little bit. You know, the, the numbers change a little bit on the, the, the reports. That's, that's, that's what that turns into. I agree with you. Um, there are a lot of um, uh, senior executives in multinational corporations, as you describe, that are separated from the people that work for them, separated from uh, um, uh, the other uh, countries where they do business. Yep. Their, their, their focus is on the bottom line and on making as, as much money as possible. Um, I, I repeat to you something that I often say. I've never known a multinational, multi-billion dollar, multi-product corporation that did not use the financial secrecy system to move some part of its money 
um, um, uh, across borders, or and that can be state borders or national borders or what have you. Use of the financial secrecy system has become utterly normalized in international business, whether it breaks laws or not. I don't know how you do that, except that you internally occupy in your own mind a position that is just separated from um, uh, the people that you serve, the people that you supply, the people with whom you do business, the larger market. I don't know how you do that except by separating your mind from the uh, the broader environment within which you're working. Does that make sense? Oh, it absolutely does. Um, and I think to that point, as we go towards final thoughts here for today's episode, and I'll kick things off for my final thought, it, it, it speaks to just the importance, right, of us not just leading by example, but also by holding others accountable. Now, there's there's a big debate, right? What's cancel culture? What's you know what what's the uh, accountability in action? Whatever the the debate is, but we do see that people will vote with their dollars. I voted with my my dollars in respect to I moved out of Philadelphia. I said I didn't like what was taking place in Philadelphia. I thought that the policies taking place in Philadelphia the past three years weren't that great. So I moved and I took my my dollars. I moved and I voted with my feet in that in that instance. Right. So you can see in that example, but also when you talk about what we're talking about today, right? Uh, providing a quality service to your customers. It's it's indicative on you not just to do a good job, but when you see someone going out of their way to cause harm, to do the, the opposite of what should be done when you're trying to bring value to the marketplace, call it out, raise up the awareness because otherwise... It will go unchecked. And then there will be people saying, hey, Mr. Government, please step in and fix this. And uh, then we have to uh, worry about all these loopholes being made. That's my final thoughts. Raymond, what do you have for your final thoughts today? I I like where you're coming from, Brian. I, I, I would love to see businessmen embody a stronger sense of internal integrity um, um, in, in their work. I don't see a lot of that now. And it's 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 so vivid to me because, uh, as I told you, I watched my father operate with an entirely different uh, um, approach and it served him very well. And I still think it can serve very well today. Absolutely. All right. Well, with that being said, we are unfortunately at the end of our show which means it's time for us to go ahead and make sure we direct folks to number one where they can go ahead and continue the conversation with you but number two where can they go ahead and find the brand new copy of invisible trillions you can you can buy it online uh, at amazon or some of the bookstores or what have you but it is available right now awesome and and where can folks go ahead and find you if they want to reach out um, Google my name. It'll, it'll come up. Raymond <laughs> W. Baker, it'll come up. Perfect. Well, how about this too? We, we have some links here in the show notes, folks. We'll make it super easy for you guys. You can Google it or you can click your artwork in your podcast catcher. It'll bring you over to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode. You will find all 674 other episodes of the program. You'll also find the entire transcript from today's episode, including all the links aforementioned, including the link both to uh, Raymond as well as to Invisible Trillions. Otherwise, if you enjoyed the episode, please do me a favor. Let 
people know, go ahead and share today's episode. When you do, tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Otherwise, if you want to go ahead and support the show, you can do so $1.99 a month. Become an audience insider. You can find the link over on the homepage at briannicholsshow.com. Otherwise, it's all we have for you. Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to the Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support.